Health Matters in association with Keto Sterile by Fresenius Kabi. Caring for life. Continuing our chat on chronic kidney disease. Hey folks, welcome aboard to Health Matters with me, Daniel Martin. Now, for the last two weeks... You and I have been learning more about the impact and the weight of chronic kidney disease in Singapore. We've been learning, of course, about the relationship to diabetes. With some of the highest diabetes rates in the world, we also have some of the highest rates of uh, diabetes-linked kidney failure. We've learned about how powerful early detection of kidney disease is because it affords you the opportunity to benefit from newer treatments and maybe even stave off the need for starting dialysis in some cases for some patients i want to learn more as we continue our discussion about chronic kidney disease dr alvin ung is here senior consultant renal physician based at mountain's birth novena specialist center dr ung welcome to the show hello Hi, Daniel. Thanks for having me on board. Good to be on board here today to talk about CKD. Yes, indeed. Chronic kidney disease. In general, what, how would you say this is actually picked up in Singapore? Early stage, late stage, and, or, or it's picked up by the way when somebody goes for a health screening? What's the general pattern? I think that's a very good question. I think um, here in Singapore, uh, chronic kidney disease is actually diagnosed um, fairly late uh, during the disease process. Um, it's usually um, diagnosed when a patient undergoes screening um, and they have no symptoms or when they have symptoms and they have a blood test done. And unfortunately, in the latter group, they already would have uh, had their kidneys uh, impaired down to about 15% or less. Gosh, and, and there would be no indication of this? They wouldn't be experiencing any kinds of symptoms? This is a very silent experience? It is. It's actually, unfortunately, what we will consider almost like a silent killer. Um, in a sense that uh, patients where their GFR is more than 30, they tend not to have any symptoms. And they would just go on with their daily lives, not knowing that they have kidney disease. So we have a very good marker, a blood test, a urine test, and even scans to actually identify uh, the chronic kidney disease early in the early stages. Um, but it's just the access to this test that uh, patients don't tend to have or they are not aware of it or um, they are uh, reluctant to actually undergo the test. Mm. So really it's about the right person at the right time doing a simple test could pick it up at a very early stage. Who is the right person? Doc? Who's at risk and who should be testing for this on a regular or semi-regular basis? Generally, we see chronic kidney disease, uh, early screening should be uh, carried out with patients who are at risk of the condition. So as we've, uh, as you have mentioned in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about uh, diabetes, a big, big uh, chronic uh, condition uh, that we need to uh, screen all these diabetic patients, patients with hypertension, patients who are 50 years and above, Patients who have family history of kidney disease, smokers, uh, obese uh, patients, uh, they fall into the category of needing early uh, screening tests for their kidney checks and kidney health. And what are the, I mean, obviously the diabetes one, that's, that's the lowest hanging fruit, right? We know these people are most at risk, but mm. are there many other people that where it might just be no risk factor really, but then it occurs as well. What are the lifestyle factors or behaviors that could contribute? Yeah, the 
lifestyle factors do definitely change. I think we have uh, come to a, an era where lifestyle has been fairly sedentary. We have uh, people who you know work a lot and they don't look after their health. They don't exercise enough. They have their old. Uh, they don't eat the right food. You know, these, these are the group, uh, you know, and they suffer from other chronic conditions like gout, hypertension, high cholesterol. You know, these are the group of patients who actually would uh, require uh, these uh, kidney checks done uh, at an early stage. So the other co- group of patients that I could see is that, you know, very importantly is that the family history. Mm. Because the, co- the chronic conditions like diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, they run in families. And not only because of their lifestyle, their you know their, the lifestyle choices that they have, but the family history very very significant. So I would say that you know if let's say your your parents or even your brothers or sisters have uh, these conditions, uh, it's best to actually have uh, uh, yourself tested for uh, their kidney check. I'm curious what's happening in what are you looking out for in that blood check and and yeah. that urine um, test as well because I mean would this be something that would if I went in for a regular blood check regular urine yeah. test just check for my cholesterol levels the ones that you normally do your doctor yeah. would it pop up as well or does your doctor have to tick a specific box for that to be checked for as well you know right yeah so Daniel I think a lot of the health screening tests that is done these days do include the necessary kidney checks. So for the blood test, what we're looking at is specifically the test serum creatinine. Uh, Now, creatinine is actually a breakdown of muscle. It's removed by the kidneys. So if you have uh, CKD, the creatinine is actually not removed effectively, and that levels will go up. And there's another test that is done for blood tests, which is called the EGF, or, or estimated glomerular filtration rate. Now, that tells us how much of blood is being filtered by the kidneys uh, every minute uh, for the patient. So the normal value is uh, EGFR of 90 and above. So about 90 mils of blood actually being filtered by the kidneys every single minute. So that test is also very important for early detection of CKD. So that's the blood part. The second part is the urine test. Now, one can have a normal blood test and then an abnormal urine test, and that patient would have chronic kidney disease. So in the urine test, we specifically look at microscopic hematuria, which is basically red blood cell in the urine, white blood cell in the urine, and very important, protein in the urine. So if you have protein leak, it means that the filtering system in the kidneys are not uh, not, not functioning normally, and there are breaks between the cells where the protein, which is supposed to be in the blood, gets leaked out in the urine and shows up in the urine test. So that's the uh, second test. The third test, which uh, is a scan. Now, depending on the first two tests, the blood and the urine test, um, the doctor who then sees the patient will identify whether the person requires a basic ultrasound scan of the kidneys or might need a CT scan or MRI scan. Uh, But in general, most patients will require an ultrasound scan to just ensure that they have two kidneys, that they don't have any kidney cysts, kidney stones, kidney tumor, or blockages in the kidney. So that sort of summarizes the three tests that is done. And just to go back on to that um, part about our um, uh, test, yes, they do for health screening, but for the ultrasound or ultrasound scans, uh, it's an optional thing that uh, would on the findings, yes. Got it. Where are we mm. today? How would you estimate our burden in terms of maybe the estimated number of people in Singapore who are dealing with chronic kidney disease? 
Mm. So we have just recently had the publication of the National Health Survey in 2020, which looked at our population between 18 years of age to 74 years of age. And the number for CKD is actually very high. It's about 9% of our population. Now, if we look at the, sep- the distinct group based on age, the population between 70 to 74, very strikingly high. About 30% of the population has CKD if they are 70 to 74. And if they are 55 to 69, about 15% of our population actually have CKD. And on top of that, when they looked at the diabetics, if you look at the diabetics in our country, one in three of them would have CKD, which if we compare to a non-diabetic uh, population in here in Singapore, mm. they are 5.5 times more likely to have CKD. And there is another more interesting part, which we call pre-diabetes, mm. which is a stage before they become diabetics. They are twice more likely to have CKD than the normal population. So the numbers are actually extremely high yeah. uh, in terms of the prevalence of CKD in our population. Dr. Ong, so looking at those numbers and seeing things like the rates and like you said, no small numbers there in terms of chronic kidney disease, what is the situation like right now with the majority of our chronic kidney disease patients? Are they all on dialysis? Why have they all uh, had this level of kidney failure? Mm. So the patients who are actually on dialysis, not all patients with CKD will end up on dialysis. And our main objective is to actually prevent them from reaching end-stage renal failure, Mm. which is an EGFR of less than 15 or uh, what we call consider as stage 5 CKD. So we are lucky in the sense that uh, we are are seeing uh, more patients on stage 3, stage 4 CKD. And our objective is really to try to uh, help them in any ways we can through lifestyle modification, through medications and constant monitoring to prevent them to reach uh, stage 5 CKD. If you look at the Singapore's population, um, based on our registry data from 2021, we have approximately about eight or 9,000 patients on dialysis. Um, and that is a significant number of patients uh, on dialysis. For those that are on dialysis, why has it reached this point? Why has it gone from chronic kidney disease to kidney Mm. failure requiring the dialysis? Yes. So most of the patients are actually not diagnosed early, which is rather unfortunate. But there are a group of patients who uh, have chronic conditions like diabetes, high blood pressure, and they have not been able to maintain a good control of your diabetes, uh, Mm. blood pressure. And that actually leads to NSH kidney failure. And there's another smaller group of patients that whatever you do for them, they have the best diabetes control, they have the best blood pressure control, cholesterol levels are fine, but yet they reach end-stage kidney failure. And that's probably because of their aging process and it's just the way the trajectory of their kidney disease is where they end up with end-stage kidney failure. I see. So here's the thing. We don't want it to reach that stage. It's great to Mm. hear that we have opportunities at the earlier stage to intervene and potentially slow down the rate Mm. of progression of the chronic kidney disease. Can you explain to my listeners how that's done? Yes. So early detection and regular monitoring and medications. So that's the three pillars of uh, preventing the CKD from actually reaching end-stage kidney failure. So in terms of uh, medications, uh, we have 
a lot of new medications available that can slow the progression. So I just want to sort of re-emphasize that in chronic kidney disease, we can't get the blood, the kidney function to actually improve to where it was, say, about two or three years ago. But we can actually slow the, tra the trajectory of the worsening of their kidney function or deterioration to the kidney function. So we have, for example, medications like uh, SGLT2 inhibitors, which is a, uh, a medication that lowers the blood sugar level and also protects the kidney, lowers the proteinuria. We have another medication that's used for blood pressure called the ACE inhibitors or ARB, which also does the same thing, lowers the blood pressure and slows the progression. And we also have ketosterol. Now, so ketosterol is actually a uh, uh, is an amino acid supplementation for our patients. In patients with CKD, to slow the progression of their kidney progression is to actually advise them about dietary changes. Mm. So not only do we emphasize on making sure that, they're, yeah, that, they, that, they, that they don't take too much sugar, they don't take too much fatty food, but also protein. So protein intake is very important in CKD patients, especially the stages of stage 4 and stage 5, because the protein load on the kidney actually harms the kidney. And when the protein uh, breakdown, the urea, is actually high in the patient, it not only causes the kidney function to, de to deteriorate further, but also causes symptoms, what we call uremic symptoms in this patient. And um, ketosterol is an amino acid supplementation when patient goes on to a low-protein diet. One of our CNA 93 listeners asked, I think we scared our listeners a little bit, Dr. Ong, uh, mm, <laughs> asked a little bit sure. about, I recently went for a blood test and I was surprised when my doctor asked whether I was having any pain during urination because he said there were some white blood cells that were found. He didn't mention anything about any elevated protein levels. Should I go ahead and try and schedule uh, the ultrasound that doctor was talking about? Okay, let's just be also clear. Like There are many reasons why mm. blood in the urine might exist, correct? Yes, that's absolutely correct, Daniel. So what the um, described is basically the concern that the doctor has is whether the patient has a urinary tract infection. And an ultrasound scan of the kidney is uh, certainly recommended because sometimes these urinary tract infections can creep from the bladder all the way up to kidneys and cause a condition called pyelonephritis. And that can cause a uh, complication like abscesses, collection in the kidneys, which then the person would need to have a, long, uh, a longer uh, period of antibiotics treatment. But at the same time, the blood in the urine can be from other reasons, for example, kidney inflammation or glomerulonephritis, or can be due to uh, a, a contaminated urine specimen or can be due to um, you know, other conditions like kidney cysts or kidney tumors. So I think the answer to that is really that um, no, the, you should go for the ultrasound scan, you know, just to be on the uh, on the exclusion, you know, to exclude the other uh, pathological abnormalities. Thanks very much for that question. Great point. I got a few more points that I want to wrap up with, doctor. Right now, though, doctor, what are we talking about in terms of the newer treatments that you just described? You know, things like the keto analogs and the keto acid treatment, or that. Any contraindications against being on that? Could some people really not benefit? Yes. So I think a lot of patients with uh, CKD will benefit from these keto analogs. There is just a very small group of patients who you have to be really careful with in terms of using this medication. So, for example, if the patient has high calcium levels in the blood test, 
The second thing is that if they have an amino acid inheritable condition, inherited disorder, where they cannot uh, process the amino acid, and that can usually be uh, detected by uh, you know family history and the doctors, their primary physicians who actually know about it. And of course, the third thing to be careful about is with all medications or nutritional supplements that if they develop an allergic reaction to a component, then that wouldn't be suitable for the person. Good to know that as well. And at the same time, they might be dealing with, like you said, the blood pressure issues. Uh, they might be dealing with the diabetes as well. Yeah. So this could all be happening concurrently with other medications and treatments. And could there be worries about conflicts mm. here? Yeah. So there is hardly any drug interactions uh, using keto analogs with the rest of the medication. And it doesn't have sugar or fatty lipids or anything in the in the keto analogs that would harm a person who has diabetes, high blood pressure, or high cholesterol. So it's a very, very safe uh, treatment to be taken by the patients uh, who have CKD, I would say. Good point to bear in mind there. And how long could somebody be on these courses of treatment? Could it be months, mm -hmm. years? Yes. The general recommendation is that if they have, if they, you know, the, the, the idea of the keto analogs is to actually slow the progression. So they will be on it for years. The only time that the keto analogs will be stopped uh, is when the person is actually on dialysis. So I'm just hoping that mm. the person on keto analogs won't end up on dialysis. So uh, in, in, in summary, that is that if the patient's on the keto analogs, they can take it for um, you know, for the rest of uh, you know, for for the rest of time to really slow the progression of their CKD. Quite right, indeed. I'm going to end off with a question that came across by WhatsApp as well. Nine six three one one nine three eight. They haven't left their name, but going to what we were talking about earlier on the uh, who's more likely to develop something like chronic kidney disease. This person wants to know what is the age profile of the majority of patients with CKD. Yeah, so that was a very, you know, very good question. I think we are seeing that as we are able to, as our life expectancy is much longer, which is approximately about 82 years in Singapore on average. On average, um, we are seeing a lot more elderly people with chronic kidney disease, and it's very simple because I always like to emphasize that the only marker that we have to really identify CKD is a blood test, which gives us a value. But we are not able to assess the other organs in aging, where let's say, for example, your heart weakens, your muscle weakens, and your skin sags as you get older. Mm. There's no way to quantify that. But whereas in kidney diseases, we are able to quantify that to a number. So I would say that as we get older, we actually develop CKD. And right. we need to be very careful to actually, you know, uh, you know, adhere to, you know, treatments that can slow that progression, so that you do not want to have a discussion with the doctors about dialysis when you are in your 80s. No, exactly. Um, so the, uh, we have to wrap up right now. So roughly, the older you live, the longer you live, that risk will always be there. Yes, that's right. Dr. Ung, what a pleasure. Good to have you back on the show, Dr. Alvin Ung, Senior Consultant Renal Physician out of Mount Elizabeth Novena Specialist Centre. This has been Health Matters. Tune in next week as I actually speak to a dietitian to learn more about the idea of what Dr. just mentioned, starting those dietary counselling and protein restrictions when on certain treatments for chronic kidney disease. Health Matters in association with Keto Sterile by Fresenius Kabi. Caring for life. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.